Bring yourself back online. Remember. All right, welcome back, or for the first time, the Freeze All Motor Functions, a podcast for Westworld newcomers and veterans alike. That doesn't sound like anything to me. And that doesn't take itself too seriously, as will become very apparent if this is your first time listening to us. I am your host, get it, Ross? I do, I, I do get it. I'm your host, Jared Borislow, here with your other host, Ross Bolin. What up? This is, this is it. We're coming to you from Grand X Media headquarters in Austin, Texas, with our first of many, many, many podcasts about season two of Westworld, this time focusing on recapping and analyzing episode one, Journey into night my head is still spinning like spinning around on your neck or spinning you know more more in a clockwise fashion in a circle um there's two axes on which your head could be spinning both both of those is that, is that even possible that's insane you mm, you look like I know. you look like the flute from spy kids remember the guy with the four heads never saw spy kids you serious generational gap well it's about as good as westworld i would say that's absurd um, so Ross, you, you just got back from Mexico. I did. And you came right back off your flight and watched episode one. Is that correct? Yeah. I went straight from the comfort and relaxation of the beaches of Cabo to the chaos, stress, and confusion of Westworld season two, episode one. So I need you now more than ever. Have you ever needed me before? No, not, not a single time, which is, so this is a really new and hard thing for me but yeah i mean it's back westworld back we've been we've been preparing for this day for months and the fact that it's finally here has has me questioning everything i thought was real and everything i've held near and dear my whole life yeah i mean i've I've got a lot of questions i'll just say that i don't have many answers i know you do oh i have some I, i have hopefully enough to tie you over i have a question what did you how did you watch i watched with uh a great trio of things. I had Yankee Candle. People say Yankee Candle's like a corporate candle, like it's big candle. Yankee Candle's good. People, okay, let's not a what. candle guy. My wife is candle girl. She does the candles. I don't know what kind of candles we have. Second in the Trinity, New Glarus Moon Man, best beer, for only available in Wisconsin. And thirdly, and this caused some some clutter on social media at Freeze All Motor on Twitter and at Freeze All Motor Functions on Instagram. I watched with a fidget spinner. I demand an explanation for this. What is the deal? It's sitting in the office or at the table with us right now. I'm spinning it into the mic. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, you okay. realize this is a several month old trend. It's been dead for quite some time. Just like Westworld, it is back. I disagree. This is I the think season, most people will disagree with This you. is the season of the fidget spinner. And I, I, don't worry, you'll get my live fidget spinner updates during the recap. Um, but I, I, just, really, I just want to be clear about something quickly. I did not sign off on this fidget spinner bit. I don't know what it, why. I just want to be, I'm on the same page as everyone listening. I don't, I don't understand. This is Jared. My response to that, fidget spinner, I hardly know her. All right, before we get into the show, Ross and I need to start off by sincerely, and I mean this with all the sincerity I can muster out of my body, sincerely thanking you, the guests, for what you were able to accomplish thus far for almost all of last week. We were the number one Westworld podcast on iTunes, and that is all thanks to you. We asked you guys to help us out by subscribing, rating five stars, and leaving a helpful review, and you came through in a massive way that exceeded all my mathematical projections. I forgot to carry the one. You did. Uh, it, it happens. You know, you, you, you forgot to carry the one. You missed one decimal point, but it, 
yeah no thank you all for real for uh for supporting the show and uh you know it it all the hard work jerry did really paid off and ross no i i haven't done much but i'm i'm really basking in the glow of this whole thing as of right now, we have 300 ratings and 176 reviews, I believe. 178. Oh, two more. And that is awesome. Amazing numbers. Thank you so much. That's, that's the best week one we could have asked for. And now we're on to week two. You already know our goal, to take this podcast to the top of the Mesa Hub, where we can crush Margs with Lee and that bartender with the huge dong. Yes, please. The to, way- the, to the Margs, not the dong. Okay, well, you can get one with the other. Actually, neither. Well, Give me a sprite or something. Yeah, I guess the, the pool deck doesn't look as luxurious as it used to. <laughs> There's just bodies everywhere now. I mean... Which is still kind of tight. It's kind of an ambiance deal. Yeah. And uh, the way to do that, the way to get us to the top of the Mesa Hub is having everyone who likes what we're doing here and wants to see us rise to the top and get big name guests and achieve podcast stardom, which I will say, Ross, is kind of like being a famous sock puppet in terms of its place in the overall order of the world. I agree. That's about where I'd place it. But if you want to make us the most famous podcast sock puppet human hybrids in the world, please subscribe, rate five stars, leave a helpful review. I haven't brought this up to Ross yet, so I don't know how, what he's going to say about it. But if you needed any more incentive than having my, and to a lesser degree, Ross's name up in lights, how about this? If we hit, if we hit 350 reviews by the time next Monday's podcast airs, we will drop a Freeze All Motor Functions t-shirt. Can I can I can I make that happen? I didn't I didn't. Yes, you can. You. Uh, I, I I would like to become as famous as Lamb Chop, if we're oh. going after the sock puppet fame. And uh, I'll say if we get a thousand reviews by next week, Jared will get the Westworld W tattooed on his ass. I am. I also didn't run that by him. You didn't. I'll say, and I will say this. I will get it, Hannah, tattooed, on my forehead. A thousand. Henna tattoos are are in right now. So yes, a thousand uh-huh. reviews. I'll get it. Henna tattooed on me. But yeah, if you like the show and have always wanted to wear it on your chest, like a like a badge, like a sheriff's badge, then rate and review. And if we hit three fifty, we'll drop the t-shirt. I will say this: thousand reviews, Jared tattoo. Henna. If all one hundred twenty-four people who rated but didn't review smash that MF review button, we'd be almost there. Just saying. Thanks can again, we guys. Move on from the goddamn ratings and reviews. I, I I was about to. I, I, know, I know it's important. I'm just I'm ready to get into this. I am too. Except for there's one more piece of news. Damn. It. <laughs> this Thursday we will be releasing the second of our two episodes per week. We're doing one on Monday recap review, and one on Thursday, which is going to be thoughts and theories regarding next week's episode and the season as a whole. And a large portion of the Thursday episode will be answering your voicemail questions. I'm going to call the voicemail personally uh, probably 15 times. Yeah. What's uh, the number? 888-6-FREEZE. Nice. I usually say it a little bit more distorted than that, but I wanted to make all the first-time listeners 888-6-FREEZE. It's the cold line. Yeah, it's our. We, it's a hotline, but we're freeze on motor functions. It's the cold line. It's the cold line. Free. It's time to freeze. I got a question. Did you get this email from Delos yesterday? I did. I did. It, get it really weirded me out. Yeah. I don't remember why I'm on a mailing list for them. Oh, it's because I signed you up for South by Southwest World. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah, you, we got this email uh, early in the day on Sunday before the airing of the first episode of season two. The subject of which is tonight, new narratives at Westworld. And it's this whole email from the Delos Destinations Customer Relations Department that's telling you basically... It's promo for the new season, but mm-hmm. it's in a way... 
as if this was all real and you were a guest. Did it freak you out? A little. I bet you wish you had a fidget spinner to go through that with. You make a good point. Thank you. Let's do it. Season two, episode one. Journey in tonight. I'm wearing my, my cowboy hat right now. I'm ready to go. Kind of upset that I don't have one, but hey, whatever. Let's talk about the meaning of Journey in tonight. At surface level, Journey in tonight is obviously the name of Ford's new narrative that he uh, presented to everybody in episode 10 of season one. Yes. And I will say that to me personally, Journey in tonight in Ford's new narrative is just everything that happens after Ford foments the host rebellion. Right. I mean, that's that's what it's uh, meant to be taken as. Except a lot of people think that for there's still an overarching narrative. You know, obviously we know that now there's the door. The door is a game that Ford has put into the park right now. But I don't know if there's necessarily a set narrative in place, or if it's just hey, hosts run free, and that's the narrative. What do you think? I think there's still narrative to it because here's what here's one of the things that's really confusing to me right now is where. Where the narrative ends and the free will begins for characters like Maeve, mm-hmm. because for all we know, everything she's still doing has been predetermined and written by Ford. So it's really hard to know what these, you know, artificially intelligent beings are doing on their own free will versus, as we were shown in the season finale of season one, Maeve is still on a narrative, on a storyline. Yeah, and we always have to look at it through that lens. I mean, we do have the maybe possible hint that Maeve didn't infiltrate the mainland or whatever the last thing on her list was. Maybe that was her breaking off her loop, and now she's in this kind of flux state in between being a host and being conscious, like everybody but Dolores, it seems. Okay, yeah. I'm, well, yeah. It's all, I mean, there's a lot. So yeah, that's a journey in tonight. <laughs> and we're all kind of journeying in tonight because this is a level of darkness both of mind and of kind of tone. It is. Uh, and I think that's the, the biggest meaning of that. The name of that narrative for me is like, we're going into a dark place here. Yes. Yeah. Before we get into the intro, I have a confession, Ross. I don't know if you saw this. You were probably on a plane. Sorry, did you say before we get into the intro? Oh, the updated intro. Oh, oh, oh of the show of, of Westworld. I thought you meant of the podcast. I was like, what has this been? <laughs> Um, so last night, right before the intro started up, when we were getting the kind of fuzzy HBO screen, yeah, I, I tweeted out like, see you on the other side, hashtag, and I meant to put hashtag chaos takes control, which is the new kind of logo creating right. hashtag. I put hashtag chaos takes control. Uh, that's a mistake. You yeah. made a mis- you made an error. And the thing is that I'm pretty sure that was trending above hashtag chaos takes control on Twitter, which Doubtful. Now, either that's, it was, I'm pretty sure it was, because if I, t- I typed in chaos takes and it auto-loaded content. Oh, really? That's kind of the most chaotic thing ever, if you think about it. You need to error correct, is what you need to do. And I did. But is that not very, like, kind of poetic? That It is kind of funny, yes. The chaos of misspelling? That just kind of, it kind of spoke uh, out to me. chaos of stupidity? Yeah. Yeah. Which is something that you and I are. Just you. It's, t- it's taking control. Yourself. It's taking control. Okay. Updated intro. So we have, it started off, you know, with the little tiny kind of sunrise looking thing that's really like a light. And then here are all the new things that we see this time around, or at least the most important ones. A white buffalo. A host buffalo. Right. Now, white buffalo as a thing is very symbolic, you know, in, in a lot of different cultures. Namely, kind of, I believe, Native American. But also, 
I mean, we use the term these days, like a, a white buffalo, you know, something Great white buffalo. Great buffalo can a lot of times means a woman that has always escaped you, who you've always wanted to go after. Great white buffalo. And I think to everyone who watches Westworld, the white buffalo is fully understanding this unbelievably complex show. But I actually used to get white buffalo and white whale confused a lot. So guys would be like talking about a girl who they always wanted to be with. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's your white whale. And they just thought I was calling her fat. See, I was never familiar with the term great white buffalo until I saw the movie Hot Tub Time Machine. Mm. Which it's it's one of the main themes of the movie is the main character's great white buffalo that escaped him. Uh, that's as far as I go with my knowledge of great white buffalo. Perfect segue. I'm, I'm glad that there's a Native American tie in, though. Yes, perfect segue to the next new thing. The awesome eyeball printing is back. This also the whole intro was like more in 4K than uh, than it was last season. Was it not? Was it like a little more detailed and realistic in different yeah. parts and stuff? Okay. I mean, now speaking of realistic, the skeleton piano is back. The skeleton playing the piano. It is. Thank God. And I used to hate on this. I used to think it was really cheesy, but I'm all in now. Also, earlier you asked me what my setup was, and then you told us what your setup was and never let me tell you what, what my was your setup, setup? was. All the lights off, no talking, one of my dogs that barks at horses, locked in the bathroom, 70-inch <laughs> uh, 4K TV, complete silence. That was it. A water cup. No <laughs> fidget spinners, no, no Yankee new, candles. No, no new Glarus Moon Man. No clothes either, though. Completely new. Were you really? Yeah. Actually? Yes. Speaking of nudity, well, we'll get to that later. Um, the skeleton piano, love to see it. Uh, we see a mom and a baby host. Yeah, this this was weird. Very big Maven daughter like mm -hmm. thoughts started welling in my head when I saw this. I don't, yeah, that was all that I thought. That's about. me too. And then we also see the the what the liquid the host is being dropped down into is no longer white. It is now clear. To me, this really was like baptism and rebirth kind of. Like, I got a lot of questions about these liquid situations. I can answer. Episode. I can answer some of those for Good. sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, to me, it was that was like the hosts are kind of being reborn, and I thought that was a really cool way to jump right into the episode from from that. It, I mean, it had enough of the same feel as the old intro with some new things mixed in and some cl more clarity to certain mm -hmm. things and uh, better graphics. I dug it. Let's get into the show itself. And when I say that, I mean, let's get to the first three lines and already be thrown into a complete whirlwind. Yeah, the confusion started pretty quickly here. Uh, disclaimer, any theories or guesses uh, from Ross and I are not representative of what is actually going on. It's just our thoughts. We're, we're humans. We have, we have ideas and thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to say a lot of wrong shit. You should just be aware of that. And I'll also I'll make this like your, your businessman friend's Twitter bio. Any theories or guesses do not equal endorsement. I mean, that goes without saying, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, do you have any friends who do that? Like, retweets do not equal endorsement. Like, dude, nobody cares some about your retweets. Some companies make you put stuff like that in your bio or whatever, and I've never understood it. Uh, sometimes my tweets and retweets do equal endorsement. Yeah. But a lot of time they don't. Sometimes it's gibberish. And now that we're already doing disclaimers, let's quickly talk about Reddit. Ross and I don't go on Reddit. We don't, we don't troll the Reddit pages looking for theories. I want to go on this journey with you guys, not a consortium of anonymous internet people who will undoubtedly ruin the ending whoa, for me. Whoa, whoa. You heavily referenced Reddit and used it throughout our season one analysis. Oh, yeah, of and course. And you're dumping on the, the platform? Oh, no, no, no. Here's the deal. Because Reddit mid-season is all spoilers and theories and ideas. Oh, I'm with you. So you're saying 
as of this new season, you will not be utilizing or going on Reddit. I've no. never gone on Reddit yeah. in my entire life. I will not be doing that because I want to figure this out myself. I don't want to have it handed to me on I'm a silver you, platter. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, Reddit, Reddit's a dangerous place. You'll get a lot of really good theories, but you'll also get a lot of false information. It just it screws yeah. with the experience, in my opinion. If you want to be a purist about it, I recommend that route. Yeah, so we have no problem if you want to do that, but we will not be doing that. I mean, I have a little bit of a problem, but you do your thing. <laughs> um, season two begins with Arnold talking to Dolores, except I'm already not 100% convinced this is Arnold. What did you think? I, I'm not 100% convinced about anything we see in this episode, um, so I'm with you. Um, and I will say, anytime we're not sure if it's Bernard or Arnold we're seeing, I'm just going to say Bern Arnold instead of having to explain it really well. The reason that I'm not sure this is Bernard or Arnold is because Bernard's first line is, I'm sorry, Dolores, I was lost in thought. He has his glasses off, and then he begins to put them on as he begins to figure out what's going on currently in his life. Which seems like it would be a Bernard thing. Yes. It's almost identical to Bernard's actions in his cornerstone moment with his son, right. where he's dozed off, he wakes up with his glasses off, he puts his glasses on as he's figuring out he's where... like, where were we? Exactly. Yeah. That was the first thing I noticed. I was like, holy shit. Like, I, I thought that was Arnold. And Perfect I, parallel to that scene, yeah. And it, but he's dressed like Arnold would be. And he's neatly trimmed like Arnold would be. And, right. And he's like, you know, he ha- kind of has the same affect we've seen of what we believe to be Arnold this whole time. Kind of the impression that I took from it was like uh, that Arnold, at some, if, if, my, my takeaway was this is Arnold. That's my, I lean in that direction. And that he was maybe starting to get more and more confused or kind of swept away by the complicated situation that, that, that had arisen. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it, it could be a know. character trait of his. Yeah, it could be now. But my hang up is if Arnold had simply been lost in thought while talking to Dolores in this scene, why would his glasses have been off to begin with? What yeah, he, yeah, that's a, that's a real problem for the Ar- people who think this is Arnold. Cause um, I, you could say that in his cornerstone, he put his glasses on to read from the book, but He's not reading anything here. So yeah. I don't know. That, for me, I think that this is a big... This is, I'm just going to jump into it. It's possible Arnold is either narcoleptic or just gets lost in thought easily and takes his glasses off or whatever. Am I going to accept that as an answer? Absolutely not. Especially in episode one when we can just go absolutely crazy with what we oh, say. Yeah. Um, instead, I'm going to throw this out to you. Maybe this is Bernard's new cornerstone that Ford has given to him to make him as Arnold as possible as a means of giving Arnold new life which could explain Bernard's body tweaking out throughout the episode as he, his brain tries to come to terms with this new cornerstone. The, Just saying. The presence of multiple storylines, multiple timelines immediately being prevalent in the first episode caused me to be uh, hesitant to like take a stab at something like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm a bigger man than you. You are. Bernard then tells Dolores about a dream he had, and we saw this in the trailer. He was on an ocean with Dolores and the others on a distant shore. Oh, he was on an ocean with Dolores and the others on a distant shore. He wasn't with them. What does that mean? He was just on he, the ocean. He o- was like, I was with you on an ocean and a distant shore. And she's like, were you with us? And I was like, what the fuck does it? What? Well, he was saying he was on the ocean. Dolores and the others were on a distant shore. So I don't know if he was on a boat or if he was standing in the water. Okay. So they were on a distant shore. Because this just drew me to the scenes we'd seen in the trailer of mm-hmm. the ocean filled with bodies and stuff. And yep. I was... Very confused. So apparently the host had left him behind and the waters were rising around him. I want you to stop here and think like Ross just said. Think for exactly three seconds about how at the end of the episode, 
Bernard is standing on the shore, looking down at all the dead hosts who he left behind and who the water has technically risen around. Three, two, one. Okay, Dolores wants to know what this dream of Bernard's means, to which he replies, dreams don't mean anything, they're just noise, they're not real. Dolores asks what is real, and Bernard says, that which is irreplaceable. What do you think about that answer? It, it was kind of surprising to me that he had that quick of an answer, that he even had something that he could throw at her. Um, I don't know. That's deep. That's some deep shit. Dolores, that which is irreplaceable? Is it, like, what is irreplaceable? I don't know, because like, if I have a delicious can of LaCroix, that's easily replaceable. And but it's, it's real. It's real to me, and it's like... It's replaceable in a number of delicious flavors. LaCroix doesn't sponsor us, but I really want them to, if you couldn't get that already. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, if I murder you in cold blood right now with a microphone stand or something, I guess you can't be replaced. So you're real. But LaCroix's not? Explain this. I, I, I can't. And that's why Dolores doesn't like the answer either. I don't like it. There's a lot of things that are irreplaceable that are fake. As Beyonce put it, you know, don't you ever go thinking that you're irreplaceable? Oh, do you think that's a, there's like a little kind of tie in here? I would be surprised. Huh. Um, yeah, Dolores doesn't like his answer. And Bernard then says he is frightened of what Dolores may become and what path she might take. We then jump right into a montage of some of Bernard's greatest hits. I was very amped up during this montage. My fidget spinner was spinning at about 300 RPM during it. Um, which is, you know, a pretty decent baseline. Did you really use this as a stress reliever? Is that what you're doing here? Like- I was fidgeting and I spun. That's really all I can say okay. about this. We see Bernard convulsing a ton, like he's undergoing an exorcism. Uh, or he's having like an epileptic, se- epileptic seizure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he watches Ford's death. We see him go through that. He then sees Dolores all dolled up in a modern dress saying to him, it's been some time, Bernard. You don't know who you are, do you? Yeah, there's a there's these crazy. I assume these are flash forwards, the parts where we see her in like a modern, uh, you know, mm-hmm. people dress, and they're like in cities and a lot of that stuff, which I know you probably did the pausing and the analyzing of each little sect. Uh, I just watched it like pure. Yeah, like I didn't I didn't mess with it, and this it this episode goes all over the place, man. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. And when I keep going through with more of the little things I paused and looked at, there were more shots of Bernard freaking out, possibly as he comes to terms with his own consciousness. We don't know. We then see Peter Abernathy um, and then a host and or drone being made. Then we have Dolores, this time back in Westworld type garb, saying to him, there is beauty in what we are and like holding his face, it looks like. Right. And then or like being really close to his face. And then Bernard firing one of the P90 style guns from N64 game James Bond 007 Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yeah. Uh, which dope. He, he looks like a huge badass. When is that. he? I don't even know what the question is. And then we watch Bernard watching a fight go down in the control room. And then we hear Bernard say, is this now? Which is a question we've seen hosts ask before as they journey in. So, so a question I asked roughly 15 times during this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very normal. That's, that's kind of an homage to the viewers. I think get, get the feeling that's going to be a common theme throughout this season. Looking back on this montage after having seen the episode, we are led to believe it includes things that happened to Bernard in between Bernard finding Abernathy at the end of episode one and Bernard waking up on the beach at the beginning of episode one. Um, of season two. Yes, all of this is season oh, okay. two. 
Uh, so I, if you want to take this at base level, it looks like if you want to, if you want to use this as like a narrative guide for Bernard in between finding Abernathy at the end and waking up at the beginning, it looks like they find Abernathy. Maybe Bernard gets a full rebuild or something. They're building some sort of host. Uh, then he encounters Dolores and then Dolores turns Bernard, uh, onto her side with the hosts. And then Bernard goes berserk in the Mesa hub before somehow returning to the beach. That is the best way we can really summarize if you want to use Bernard's little montage here as direct narrative in the storyline. You look so confused right now. I am more confused than before you said all that than I was before. Okay, so wait, all right. What? (laughs) Okay, so imagine Bernard's montage is just a brief run-through of everything that happens from when he finds Peter Abernathy which we haven't seen yet. Remember him and Charlotte are looking for Peter Abernathy from until Bernard wakes up on the shore because we know that Bernard and Charlotte's whole entire deal. Okay. From now the, I'm with you. Yeah. From the barn until they get to that little secret place with the drones all takes place directly after the gala. And that his little, I guess if you want to look at it as his storyline, his, uh, whatever his story within this, this season within this first episode is kind of drawn out as, that being the first thing he needs to do with yeah, Charlotte, yes. find Peter Abernathy. Yes. Okay. So you're 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 using that montage, if you want to call it that, crazy quick cutscenes from hell, uh, to try to figure out what goes on between now and then. Exactly. Okay. That is for me what goes on in between the the Bernard and Charlotte looking for Abernathy, and then Bernard breaking up on the beach. We don't know what goes on there. That's my best guess. But this is Westworld. I like that. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense to me. This is Westworld, though. I that's probably right. That's probably wrong. Uh, cut to Bernard on a beach, like we talked about. His glasses are off once again, and there's a champagne bottle next to him. So it made me initially think that this was the morning after the Gala massacre. But boy, was I wrong. Well, he's like face down in the sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, boy, were you wrong? I, I was wrong because we learned that, that was like two weeks after the Gala massacre. How do we know it's two weeks after? Because we, we know that they lost communication. Stroud, or Carl Stroud, I believe his name is, they lost communication with the park around two weeks ago, and the Ghost Nation dude was dead for 11 days and uh, we'll get to that in a second, hours, before they stumbled across him. So we can assume that if they haven't been in contact with the park for two weeks, then they haven't been in contact with Bernard for at least that long. How do we know this is an aftermath of the same disaster because later on we, do, we don't i mean if you're gonna say how do we know we don't know anything no, no no okay well how do we assume that like what based on the, the chronological order with which we see everything that happens from bernard waking up to bernard finding all the hosts dead in the water but why would he be face down on the beach with a glass of champagne because we don't know what happened in between the gala and bernard running away with charlotte to the beach right we know that it wasn't directly after because number one, they said that they lost communication for two weeks, so unless they were off the grid for two weeks before the Gala Massacre, which I highly doubt, but it is possible technically, then we can assume it's been that long after. Also, there are already maggots eating Ford's face, which wouldn't happen like directly after. Okay, yeah. And there's decomposing bodies and flies and... By the way, shout out to uh, Floki from Vikings. He's the guy who plays the tall man from uh, Delos Corporate who's trying to figure out yeah. what happened. Um, and I guess another way, a better way to explain it that might make you and the listeners, the guests as we call them, more convinced is that Dolores killed that Ghost Nation guy 11 days ago. 
She was off her loop already when she did that. Okay. So it's been at least 11 days. Okay. A lot happening very quickly. Yes. And hopefully you were able to piece together enough stuff there to have a, a semblance of what's going on. Um, a woman in full tactical gear approaches Bernard while he's laying down on the beach. Her name is Mailing, I believe, or Mauling, one Some, of the two. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. but And she's holding a gun. It looks to be a gold scar. Now, that's a Fortnite reference, of which there will be many. Because Ross and I love Fortnite. Is that something we're dedicating ourselves to? Yes. I, I have I'm another, in on that. I have another joke written in later on. Feel, oh, feel free to make more. Good, good. Uh, Mailing tells Bernard to put his hands up before Ashley Stubbs, the A-team, steps in. Ashley Stubbs is alive. I don't like that we get zero explanation of how Ashley Stubbs survived a uh, savage ghost nation nation jumping. Because he got jumped. He got jumped. Um, I'm going to say right now that out of all the people who we aren't sure whether or not they're hosts, the A-team is the, he's probably a mostiest, a hostiest, the mostiest. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, that's the other thing you got to keep in mind. If there aren't enough things to make this show complicated, you don't know if any of these people are people or if they are, uh, in fact, hosts. Ashley lets Mailing know that Bernard is her boss, actually. And then Mailing whips out what look like Delos trading cards, and Bernard says high priority, which I assume is the same as it being holographic. Who were the other people on the trading cards? I... You would have assumed I would have stopped and, and looked through I them. I am assuming that. Yeah. Okay. So if you didn't, you didn't. I'm assuming but, it's just other Delos slash uh, like Westworld brass. So the trading cards are guy are people they're looking to save or recover. Is what we're supposed to take away from this? Because at first I was like, oh shit, that trading card is telling her that he's a host. Oh no, yeah. It's it's people that are high priority to recover or high priority for Carl Stroud to talk to to right. figure out what's going on. Okay. One of the two. But probably recover makes the most sense. It's just interesting that they even gave us this whole card element to it. I wonder if that'll come up again or if it was mm-hmm. just... Because we didn't need her to be like, oh, okay, never mind, I found his trading card. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's just odd, but uh, we'll see. I, I'll i trade you one Bernard for two Dustins. Yeah, this was like a very Pokemon card situation <laughs> for me. I was like, okay. Um, the uh, Ashley Stubbs and them... Two Dustins. Uh, hey, that's a good deal. Ashley says they're going back to base, and then they hop in a dune buggy. We already get dune buggies this early on. I was so psyched the second we saw the dune buggy. I thought we'd have to wait till like episode nine. I know. Me and Ross were all in on dune buggies. So happy. Year of the dune buggy. I'm selling my house and buying a dune buggy. Yeah, I, I think I made, I made some promise about if we're the number one Westworld podcast, we'll buy a dune buggy or something, and I'm going to follow through on that. So Bernard is, by the way, during all this, super discombobulated. Um... And the base they go back to, we find out, isn't the Mesa hub like we'd expect. It is some thrown together tents, which tells us that shit's not looking good. Yeah, this is like a Jurassic Parky situation here. Mm-hmm. There's like boats rolling up onto the beach. Uh, it kind of gives us, obviously, we're on an island or the coast or yeah. something. Um, there's been a lot of speculation about where the Mesa hub is located, where Westworld is located. We're getting more, we're getting at least a little closer to finding out what exactly. What? We got the answer, it seems. What's the answer? I'll get to that in one second. Damn it, Jared. Can't you just get to it now? No, I can't. I have, I have a very strict rundown. And if, if, you, if you get me off the rundown, I'm going to start fidgeting. Okay. And then I'm going to have to start right. spinning. I don't need you freaking out and needing to inject like weird liquid into your neck or some shit. Continue, yeah. sir. So the base, it's very Omaha Beach, World War II-y here. There's boats coming in and soldiers and hosts getting summarily executed. Our CEO, Madison, and I spoke this morning about the kind of parallels between what's going on here in World War II that they very obviously are putting in. 
Okay. With the dehumanization of the, of the, of the hosts and like killing them and just like throwing their bodies in piles. I could see that. Why are they doing this by the way? Are they trying to get information out of them and then they're executing them if they find they're not useful? It just seems like a massive waste of resources to be offing hosts left and right, including mm-hmm. one very special host who's close to my heart. Yeah, it does look like they're scanning them and then probably killing them once they find out, oh, this person either doesn't know anything or had this update that makes them dangerous. But we do also learn that Bernard says to Carl Stroud, who we're going to meet in a second, that, hey, not all these hosts are hostile. And he's like, well, he's like of course they are. They're modeled after us. Exactly. Yeah, so we're all hostile. Which is just a way of telling yourself, I'm going to kill this person and excuse myself for it. Um, the hosts are being shot, like we said, despite being captive, including the first tragedy of season two. Who was it? You already know. It's my boy. Rebus. Rebus. Rest in peace, Grand Theft Auto character and legendary facial hair man Rebus. Now, I'm refusing to say rest in peace or acknowledge that he could be gone permanently because, as we know, these things can be brought back. Why? Why? That's the other thing that's really stupid about them executing the hosts on the beach. It's like, oh, cool, you executed a robot that can just be rebooted or whatever. They have to physically take that brain thing out that we get introduced to in this episode, which is fucking crazy. Uh, in order to like really turn them off, so I it just I get it. I get what they're what they're doing, but it's a little silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume as a means of paying us back for killing Rebus is why they answered the question seemingly about where Westworld is, China. Yeah, we get some Chinese military involved here, which is very strange. We have the Chinese military arguing with. Carl Stroud, the head of operations for Delos, and they pretty much say, he says to them, I have jurisdiction here, meaning we must be in either China mainland, but I assume an island off the coast of China is where we are. Right. And this this is so far in the future that we don't really know what that means. Or, yeah, we have no idea what kind of governments there are in place. Exactly. What the the outlook on, you know, the whole scope of the world Mm -hmm. politically or power-wise or any of that. But China makes a ton of sense, given we saw multiple instances of Chinese being spoken in season one, both inside the park and in the Mesa Hub. Yes. So, honestly, like, the fact that we didn't really think about that until now, at least I didn't, is it was in plain sight the whole time. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Chinese... Just like Americans, they go do tourism shit all over the world. I, I, I'm just saying, it seems like it was under our noses. Okay. We meet Carl Strand, the head of operations for Delos, and who Bernard apparently can predict the words of? Floki? Wait, what? How do you predict the words of? Carl Stroud said like something, and then Bernard finishes sentence for him. Which Ross and I do sometimes, that's just because we're best friends. But... Bernard is meeting this guy. He shouldn't be doing that. We finish right each away. other's sandwiches. We do. You got you got uh, the veto from Jimmy John's. It was nice. It's an Arrested Development reference. So, what do you make of this, Ross? Where Bernard is just finishing Carl Stroud or Carl Strand? I keep saying Stroud. Wow. Whatever his name Strand. is. Look, there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of red herrings as there are on this show in this season for us trying to figure out who's a host, who's a real person. Obviously. The question that that's what that's meant to do is make us wonder if Carl mm-hmm. is in fact a human or not. Yeah, and you know what? It's episode one. Fuck it. Carl Strand is a host confirmed. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right now. You're calling it. I'm calling it. Interesting. Confirmed. Also, I I apologize for saying Stroud. My I, I went to bed at like 3 a.m. last Dude, night. Dude, who cares? Strand. Strand. It's over. All right, but here's the thing. That's that's what you have to keep in mind is we don't know how deep kind of the corruption of this place or this company or whatever goes based on 
the amount of time Ford has spent planning all this based on the fact that we don't exactly know the timelines, when these things are, where they are. Who knows how many people have been taken out and replaced with hosts mm-hmm. at this point? I agree. Who does? Carl catches us up to speed a little. Uh, it's been two weeks since communication went dark, so presumably it's been around that long since the gala. They're killing all these hosts, even ones who may not be hostile. Carl blames Bernard and the A-team for what happened, but is excited to work with Bernard. Again, the A-team is Ashley Stubbs. He's the A-team. If you're, if you're just wondering. That's what we call him. Nail that into your head. That's what we call, <laughs> that's what we call Stubbs. Uh, Bernard currently has like more information in his head, most likely, than Strand has, because he has no idea what's happening. Um, and we learn that all parks are being subject to search and rescue teams. Were yeah, they- which is really interesting. First of all, I think we find out there are at least six parks, right? At least six, yes. And uh, they're, yeah, like you said, all being subjected to search and rescue. So perhaps this is, obviously this is an issue that they're either, that isn't just specific to Westworld or they're worried might not be specific to Westworld. Uh, it, it's crazy that the scope of this thing, they can kind of grow it as big or as they want to. Yep. You know what I mean? There could be a hundred seasons of this show if they really wanted to keep it going. Mm-hmm. So the group who is uh, Strand, Mr. Costa, Bernard, the A-team, and Mailing, they find a member of Ghost Nation and take out his brain to see the last things he saw. First time we see a, one of these host brains, this is a new element that they've introduced yeah. uh, to the show. And yeah, obviously it's going to play a big part in, mm-hmm. in the way this all unfolds. Did you notice that they look like light bulbs, which I feel like is an homage to like a light bulb being an idea? Or the symbol they for do an look idea? a little bit like light bulbs, yeah. Uh, for some reason, Mr. Costa is concerned about this environment being non-sterile. What was that about? Dude, they're killing these hosts all around you, and they're ge- I'm sure they're, they're getting infected and shit. Like, d- what? Why do you care? I don't know. That was weird. It was a weird statement by him. That, that was like the first thing he said, too. Like, what a hot start for, for Mr. Costa. It's not sterile. It's like, yeah, dude. No, none of this is. Like, biz- I don't, I don't bizarre. It. Maybe it just is to show that he's more... Um, you know, scientifically driven than Strand. Yeah, maybe. So when they cut open this Ghost Nation member, they see that he has the maze on his scalp. And he's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, Coast has never seen this before. Shouts to Kissy, though. Kissy's, Kissy knows what's up. Kissy does know what's up. Yeah, the maze on his scalp. Dolores killed this Ghost Nation member 11 days and 9 hours ago after saying to him, not all of us deserve to make it to the Valley Beyond, which is news to me. It is. It is. As this episode unfolds, it seems that Dolores, uh, after they kind of began their, you know, journey into night at the gala, um, rolling in and murdering everyone, that she just continued to go around the park, but also murdering hosts that she doesn't deem worthy of whatever the fuck she said. And no, we do not know yet who does and who does not deserve to make it to the Valley Beyond. Or so, why, yeah. So don't be concerned if you have no idea. We, no, you can't. Nobody knows. You can have theories, but nobody knows. No. And I'm, what the Valley Beyond even entails, is that the is that the uh, Is it like Bed Bath & Beyond? Yeah, what, what is going on here? Is it, do you think it's like Bed Bath & Beyond? Like 20% off coupons getting get mailed to us from the Valley Beyond? I, I wouldn't be surprised if, it, if the end game here was just Bed Bath & Beyond. Everybody goes to Bed Bath and Beyond. Just the biggest viral marketing campaign ever. Westworld yeah. is just a, a Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, the, thing. the the final episode of the show is uh, Dolores laying down on a mattress in Bed Bath and Beyond. 
Is it a Lisa mattress? Probably. Um, so Bernard's hand starts to shake, and then he flashes back to hiding in a barn while the Gala massacre is going down. Yeah, this is I'm, the, obviously Bernard is very off this whole episode. Mm-hmm. But this is the first real look at it that we get, where his hand is trembling. Is this is this symbol that we that kind of stays with us throughout the episode? It was interesting the visual effects they used on the flashbacks to the barn for to let us know kind of like this is obviously in the past. Mm-hmm. It makes it a little harder to see everything. It's a little less colorful. Yeah, uh, just just interesting that they chose that strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlotte is there in the barn, as are some other human gala guests. Bernard says... Who we have never met. Who we've never met before. These are right. just either board members or just notable people, VIPs. Uh, yeah, I assume they're all board members or board members' spouses or girlfriends or boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bernard says to Charlotte that the hosts are off their old loops. Duh. That, yeah, I don't know what that throwaway line. Throwaway line. And then he says, they must be on some new narrative. At Ford's narrative announcement, you don't say... Again, not really sure what the deal with this conversation is. I will cut Bernard some slack on account of his brain melting down this yeah, whole episode. Yeah, that's the only... You see, I attributed a lot of him in this episode to that. Um, we also learn a little something here about the host's relationship with guns because Bernard says that Ford must have made the hosts read all the guests as hosts, which is why they can shoot them and kill them. Right, but this is weird because they've always been able to shoot Mm-hmm. guests that's not the way it works and bernard should probably know that seeing <laughs> as that he's the head of what behavioral so he must have been saying that like there's something with the in a host's brain if it looks at a human it it either pulls a different trigger or it shoots it shoots harder it pull like what I don't like that they made this this situation even more complex and confusing than it already was. That yeah. really pissed me off. I was like, hold up, dude. What? Because we've time and time again, the first interaction we ever see that involves violence between a host and a guest, which is, I believe, the man in black and Teddy, Teddy shoots the man in black multiple times. It just mm-hmm. doesn't hurt him. Yep. They've, they have somehow managed to make the whole guns thing. I'm very upset about this. We already developed all this. These, we found out from somebody, some ex-military that knew about some type of ammunition. That, that Now it's all out the window again. Great. We at don't least, know what's going on. At least we can be cheered up by Walter and Rebus. Yeah. They're drinking milk as they are wont Thank to do. Thank God. Causing havoc. Rebus just domed some guests. So... so it's interesting you know. though because as we know, one—I mean, Rebus was the one that had the glass on his head at the gala, and Teddy was the one shooting it off of him. And then a guest grabs Teddy's gun and shoots Rebus in the shoulder, and, sh- and he like kind of like depressingly slumps over. <laughs> yeah, like oh god, you got to be kidding me! Uh, so the tables have turned here. Mm-hmm. Now Rebus and his squad of psycho milk drinkers, milk are, boys, uh, the milk boys. They, that's the gang name. Actually, that's their gang. Name. I'm a, I'm a milk boy. I don't know if you know that, but yeah, now they're shooting things off guests head and then, uh, joking just, you know, for funsies shooting them in the head. Mm-hmm. It, it was it, a good time had by all murder. She's dead. That woman is dead. <laughs> she's yeah. It's, it, she's no longer among the living. A lot of people are dead. The barn group, uh, inside the barn. Plus their escape to the nearest access point, which is two miles Northeast. And they murk a stable hand in the process, who Bernard tries to defend and gets injured in the process, which is what causes the fluid, the cortical fluid. To, to start coming out of his head. His ear, yeah. Uh, 
cortical fluid. Is cortical what it's fluid. Called? Cortical fluid. Yes. And what is this? Is this is like the host's blood? No, this is just a some sort of fluid. Compu- that computers need this. I well, I no, it's not computers. We don't know all the answers, but yeah, we're not supposed to. But the, yeah. obviously, this is an issue. At first, you're kind of just like, wow, that was weird. He touched his ear, and there was some liquid that was coming out, and it was clear. It didn't look like blood. It looks like something probably important. And he's not acting normal. He's very tweaked out. So something's wrong with Bernard. And then you know, we obviously get a little more on that yeah. later on. But we were never aware of this fluid before. This is a new element mm-hmm. again that has been introduced, much like the brains. Uh, this squad in the barn is terrible. They are yeah. the worst squad of all time at hiding, uh, at fighting. The at only ma- guy they kill is a, is a non-hostile stable hand, and they stab him with his own pitchfork after beating him severely. Yes. And they probably thought they were hot shit after that. Like, yeah, we did it. We're also we're yelling and shit like there were just guys outside the barn. If you know anything about like Fortnite, as an example again, when you're inside of a building and you hear people outside of the building, the idea, if you don't want to fight, is to stay quiet inside of the building, not to ruthlessly beat someone having a, after having a loud conversation with them. Would you say that this occurred in Anarchy Acres or Fatal Fields? Fatal Fields. Okay. This was a failed, fatal, fatal Fields. Fatal Fields. Yes. But kind of anarchy, too, with the hosts. Yeah, but I just got more of a Fatal Fields feel from this. Mm-hmm. I feel you on that one. I feel you. On, I field you on that one. Okay, we, we're we're good. Sorry. Um, then we get a unreal montage. There is death and chaos everywhere, and then presumably caused by Dolores, as we see. But this is a, this is again. This is from Bernard, correct? This is a Bernard. Oh no, no, no. this is the Dolores murking humans. So this montage is and not Bernard having a tweak out. No, no, no. Okay. This is the one where we see the player piano start playing the entertainer by Scott mm. Joplin. Um, and then it, all the, there's death everywhere. Presumably this might be Dolores killing all the people who aren't meant to go to the Valley beyond Okay. all the hosts at least. And then we see Dolores riding her horse with what appears to be a blue pump shotgun in hand, just murking, murking guests. I thought it was horseback. like a flintlock rifle. Oh no! I know it, we're trying to keep the Fortnite theme going, but no, no, it was a, it was a, it was a blue pump. Oh okay. Yeah, Dolores just is just is just peppering these guests while running in a field. Guests are trying to escape again, presumably from the gala. They're dressed in black tie mm-hmm. and uh, they're running through a field, and she is riding them down, executing them all. Yes. And Teddy during this whole thing doesn't look too happy. He's not as into it as Dolores is. Teddy's kind of lost his uh, personality a bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's like he's still... Th- th- one of the difficult things to determine here, and one of the things we're going to see unfold throughout this season is, as Jared referenced earlier, different hosts are at different levels of consciousness or freedom or whatever. Yes. It seems, right? Like there's Maeve, there's Bernard, there's Dolores who seems to be completely free at this point. Yes. Uh, and they're all at different levels in different places. Mm-hmm. And where Teddy is on that scope is really hard to say. It, it, it hard to say. Yes. It is it hard to say. We cut to Dolores interviewing a human who she's condemning to the gallows along with two other humans. The whole gist of this exchange here is that Dolores is pissed as hell at humans for having violent delights and making her go from hell to hell without the ability to question why she's doing what she's doing. And that the reckoning for that, for that it's injustice is dying is, is here. And yes, it's them dying. This um, is the most human we've ever seen Dolores or the, with the most human qualities. Mm-hmm. She's got this personality. That's a little bit different, more, uh, you know, developed, 
more developed, more natural than any Dolores we've seen before. She even references her multiple personalities that have been programmed into her, including Wyatt, Mm -hmm. but then goes on to say like, you know, nah, I'm me now. Yep. It's all very, I love this scene. I I, thought this was probably the best scene in the episode for me. This is easily the most sure thing scene for me because it is the best evidence we have and we could ever get for Dolores being fully alive and not under the influence of humans past or present anymore. Right. Because like you said, she mentions, she knows she was programmed to be Dolores. She knows she was programmed to be Wyatt. But now she is. She made herself. I'm she's 99.9% sure she's completely free of any holds at this point. I but, am too. <laughs> but there's that 0.01% or 0.1% whatever there's a tiny 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 piece that you have to remind yourself it is still possible this is all a pre-written narrative mm-hmm. it, it, it's impossible to say i agree and now ross it's time to play everyone's favorite game that i just made up cheesy or not cheesy tight cheesy or not cheesy there's only one question here dolores after walking away from the people who she's getting to the gallows saying it doesn't look like anything to me. Uh, yeah, it was, I think if they could go back, they probably <laughs> wouldn't have done this. Um, it didn't fit with the, there was a couple, I'll give, I'll, I'll say this as a negative about the opener. There was a couple different moments where I was like, eh, it probably could have gone without that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I mean? Like it didn't, it broke the tone of the show. It was almost like breaking the fourth wall or whatever you call it. Yeah. Uh, like, like she just, it, it was cool, but it was, it didn't work the way I think they wanted it to. I, it didn't, it took me out of it more than it buried yeah. me into it. You know what I mean? This is a great time to mention the TV show Burn Notice. If you, I love Burn Notice. How, Burn, is, how is this a great time? Because if you've ever seen the season fin- or the series finale of Burn Notice, I won't ruin it, but it is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen. I love that TV show, and they it, it almost ruined the show for me how cheesy the finale was. It should be noted, Jared is a burn notice enthusiast. No one really understands why. Uh, it's just a it's a character trait of his that's it's, you know it might be his cornerstone, frankly. I think it is, and maybe you should check out my forthcoming podcast, Burn All Notice Functions. <laughs> that's not a real thing. It's not. Okay, so an- another note I have. The last note about this scene is that Dolores' henchmen in this. They don't look like the Wyatt people because they're not wearing the weird masks, but they're, they look like surprisingly a lot like the characters from Mad Max Fury Road, which when you combine that with these dune buggies, uh, it's episode one, Ross. I'm just going to say uh, Westworld, Mad Max Fury Road, same universe confirmed. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I thought these were like sort of Wyatt-ish guys. We get a lot of these dudes now with like, you can't see any of their faces or they have like bull heads or whatever. Mm-hmm masks helmets uh this this crew a lot of we saw them a lot of times in season one i i I need more information like can these dudes talk like what's the deal with doesn't seem like it so far they're fucking terrifying Mm -hmm. i know that yeah and we don't see much more of them and uh we see some of them attacking people with angela later but we don't hear them talk so right uh them talking not confirmed next scene and this is uh, okay are you ready for this ross i i was born ready it's the wolf. We have the wolf. The wolf is back for season two. I love the wolf. Everybody knows this about me. The wolf is great. 
and he's back, and we're wolfing right now. I uh, the I wish you could have seen or I could have captured in some way the the smile that I had on my face when the wolf <laughs> when the wolf came onto the screen. It was a big moment. Is it a coyote or a wolf? I thought it was a coyote last season, but this looks like a full blown wolf. It looks like a wolf, but I thought they called it a coyote. And I, 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 you know what's tight is saying coyote. I agree. Makes you sound like you lived on a ranch or some shit. Should we just call it the coyote? But it looks like a fucking wolf. It looks. Like I, I don't know what it is, but it's badass and it's still there. And I'll say right now that the fidget spot, the fidget spinner was on fire here. Six hundred RPM. I, I would estimate six hundred RPM minimum. Why? Because you were so psyched. I, I was. I was just looking at the TV, just spinning it in my hands re- repeatedly. It was I, insane. I, it sounds like watching this show with you is not in any way distracting. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like you're watching it in a train station. Just your so, girlfriend loves the fidget spinner. Uh, it, yeah, it distracts. It distracts me, so I spend less time with her, which she enjoys. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> so also here, we see the man in black. He's back. Yeah, it turns out uh, all you had to do to survive the massacre at the gala was pile a couple bodies on top of you and just lay there motionless for an extended period of time. Now, when we saw the man in black last, he was at the gala, but probably, I'm going to say, 100 yards outside the town, smoking a cigarette, like brooding about, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that these fucking, the game still isn't real enough for him and he's depressed about that. And uh, he takes a bullet in the shoulder, and he's like, holy shit, it's finally happening. Like, he sees the army of hosts coming out of the woods, and then that's it. That's the last we saw of him, correct? Yes. And so this is our reintroduction to him. So he's, after being shot in the shoulder, for whatever reason, gone into the town and uh, somehow ended up with two bodies on top of him, whether they're hosts or human. I don't really know. I'm assuming they're human. And then he just laid there until... Correct me if I'm wrong. The gala was at night. Yeah. The middle of the day, the next day, it's the sun is up, the sun is shining, uh, and he emerges. I guess he was like, fuck it, I might as well get a nap in if <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hide under here. Well, when you are when you already have a nice blanket of two humans human and or bleeding yeah. human flesh, yeah, you just have to go to yeah. sleep. Or maybe it was like a Star Wars situation where he cut into that beast and then like kind of slept in the fat. He's like, you got to stay warm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I was very kind of. I needed some answers there, but whatever. Yeah, so Ed Harris, who plays the Man in Black, he's back. And Ross, do I have your permission here? To just to make to make my next comment. Sure. Thank you. Ed Harris is comically bald. Uh yeah, he is an incredible hairline. And <laughs> I feel like it's more okay, we didn't see him without his hat on much last season. No. And when we did it they did it in a way that this was not as apparent. Here when we see him without his hat on you're like, wow, that is a full George Costanza, and it is better than that even. Like it's, it's like he's shaving the part where there isn't hair and then putting shiny cream on it. Yeah, his head looks like an egg wearing a fur coat. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's, a good, <laughs> that's a good description. Uh, also, he looks like, and I don't know if it's that Ed Harris had some uh, Botox done per, perhaps in the offseason. He just looks a little less worn to me, mm-hmm. or maybe they were accenting him, accenting him more in the first season. I just, that was my personal... Uh, he has that high stakes glow now. That's what we'll call it. Yes, he's fucking psyched. This yeah. is his dream. I, everything about his entire life henceforth will be a nut moment. Yeah, I yes, I agree. So, man, back walks over to his horse, Ned, says, we're going to have some fun now. He's amped. It's fucking Ned, dude. Ned, Ned the horse. And this is like, love, this like is uh, the man in black's dwelling place, it would seem. This is the cabin that he is holed up in 
within Westworld. His horse is tied to a post outside. Uh, as we heard last season, he never intends on going back to the real world. Mm-hmm. Westworld is his home now. And it's it's kind of cool that like being, you know, the majority owner of the park or whatever he is, he's still choosing to uh, slum it out in a very true-to-life shitty cabin. Yeah. So because he didn't go to Escalante, you know, we know this cabin is somewhat near to Escalante. Somewhere near, yeah. So As he we, walks to it. Yeah, we know this is not like his full-time dwelling, but I do believe that this is where he changed into his tux and stuff. For At the, the very least. For the I era. took it as like this is where he lives. He, there's so there's you, like stuff inside it. You think he lived 200 yards away from Escalante the whole time? And then the maze was, was 200 yards away from Maybe he's got him? a cabin outside every place that matters. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. Ross, that theory is trash. No, it's not. It's trash. No, it's not. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> Man in Black immediately gets shot at after uh, a guy yelling at him gets domed. That guy asked for it. Again, moron. You're in a hostile area where people are being slaughtered by the dozens. Why are you yelling? He was sticking his lawyers on the man in black, too. He said, when my lawyer hears about Dome. this. Yeah. Headshot. Yeah, nah, he's done. That's, which, is, which is how we all feel if somebody sticks their lawyers on us. We and just this is like, it. This is the first situation in season two. I mean, the first situation outside of what happens at the end of season one where the man in black is finally in the situation he wants. He's mm-hmm. in a situation like, where the stakes are real, the hosts can fight back, you can die. He's finally there. He's achieved nirvana. And the smile that he puts on after fighting off the attackers and like putting his hat back on and dressing his wound is is they stayed on that for so long, but it was not like it lost. Was, it was okay, great time. That was the top moment of episode one for me. His his fucking his smile. smile. That it was, was perfectly executed. It was just long enough to where you were focused on it for extra long, but just short enough to where like. You still are you. You had a great idea what was going on in his head, but you don't know for you sure. You know how hard it is to make something like that real. Like as an actor, he crushed that smile. So good, crushed it. it, it that smile made me smile. Yeah. Cut to the Mesa Hub, where there's death everywhere. Everywhere is everywhere is death. Yeah, they they really did a number on this place <laughs> with their with their golden eye weapons. Lee uh, is getting approached by his cannibal version of Wyatt that Ford had him make. This was beautiful. Uh, the guy feeding Lee lines that we... Because remember in, se- in season one, episode nine or ten, we see Lee telling him, like, try it again, the word moist or whatever, yeah. with more feeling. Yeah. This guy delivering that line to him was <laughs> hysterical. Amazing. Everything about Lee in this episode was incredible. He Wait, Everything? Everything might like I'm not gonna judge his penis. That's his penis. I'm not gonna pass judgment on that penis. We'll get to the elephant trunk in the room later. Fair enough. But I'm just saying, Lee, fantastic. The fact that we didn't get a ton of Lee in season one, it was just enough. It was just enough. And and now he was one of the stars of this first episode. Yeah, it's very apparent that they decided and noticed that he was one of the most liked characters, one of the best characters in season one, and that he needed some more shine. And the pairing of Maeve and Lee oh my God. is something that gave me an outright comedy erection. Yeah, they just the, the dichotomy of those two with how different their goals are and the way that they hold themselves. Dude, he's so fucking good. I wrote that line for you. He's so fucking good. Simon like, Quarterman, amazing actor. Yeah, he, everything about him is fantastic, um, including his elephant trunk. <laughs> so Lee is about to get a very bloody hickey when Maeve saves the day. Um, 
Scenes like these make me so happy with our podcast name because now Lee has said our podcast name. Every time someone is forced to say freeze all motor functions, uh, an angel gets his wings. Mm-hmm. Does this make Lee a friend of the show? I believe yes. He yeah, says our name. I think he's number three now. He said our name. Yeah. Shouts to Dustin. I don't think we know yet when all of this Maeve stuff takes place in relation to Bernard's timeline, but I do have a theory for you. Okay. If Bernard was indeed involved in the control room fight, like it appears, then this Maeve shit may have taken place sometime between then when Bernard killed the control room and when Bernard was found on the beach. And again, for everyone who's like, what, what, what are you talking about? We have not seen Bernard do anything in the control room outside of the flash yes. that we get of him for like one split second. It appears he's mowing down everyone in the control room. When that is... We do not know. Nope. Uh, we have no more information about it. Nope. So but Jared is just trying to figure out. I'm trying to bridge the gap. Yeah. So because we see Lee and Maeve later on go into an already destroyed control room. Right. And we see a glimpse of that fight. I'm led to believe that that does take place. So Bernard. The obvious the question being why in the hell would Bernard roll into the control room and murder everyone? How did he go from the gala to the control room back to the beach? He's everywhere. Yeah. He's is there more insane. than one Bernard? There could be. I don't know. Is there more than one everybody? Just asking. Is there more than one you? There, There's only one me. I think. I can't confirm that. Mm, I can't either. Um, big moment here. Lee asks Maeve if she did all this, and she says, no, but I suspect I share the sensibilities of whoever did. I like this, yeah. She seems aware that this whole outcome was programmed and that she's a pawn in it, but because she's aware of it, it gives her this sense of like aloofness that like she's still kind of able to do what she wants. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> it's a very complex situation mm -hmm. with Maeve. And again, we don't know how much of this is her own free will and how much of it is narrative, but interesting of her to comment either way on the fact that, uh, she knows this isn't all her, but that she suspects she shares the sensibilities of whoever mm -hmm. is responsible for all this. It's like, okay, maybe that sharing is programming. Who knows? Yeah, and maybe, of course, you share their sensibilities. They wrote all of this into you. <laughs> Question for you. So Maeve went into the room to look at that map and then left, leaving Lee behind after like getting what she wanted out of the map. Why save Lee in the first place if she initially had no plans to keep him around? Do you have any idea? I don't know. Um, it's it hard to say. It, it, it hard to say. But the the what do you mean she has no plans of keeping him around? She literally walks out of the room without saying anything to him and just leaves him there and walks away. Meaning, she, right then, she's planning to just leave him be to, to do whatever the fuck he wants. She saved his life. Now she's leaving him. He convinces her to let him come with her. She doesn't care about him until he makes her care about him. Hmm. You know? Okay, so uh, what is your question? Why did Maeve save him in the first place? Do you think maybe she feels some some debt to him because he wrote her I don't, story? I don't, I don't necessarily see it as like needing a, a uh, an explanation, though. It's kind of just the way it unfolded. Like, she finds this dude, she thinks he's pathetic, <laughs> and uh, she exercises her power in front of him to show, her, to show him, you can't even get this dude to freeze mm -hmm. i can control everything now it's almost like a big you know fuck you to him and to yeah. everybody else who works at hq 
And I think it's more that she just doesn't see him as a threat. Mm-hmm. It also could be posed that maybe, you know, her initial walking away was all just part of her plan to get him. Because she's got you know, whatever level of... 20. Yeah. So she, she, she knows how to use people to work people. Uh, and maybe she was just working him to get him to beg her to come with him. Awesome. That's I like that. To come with her. To what with her? I said with him, but I meant with her. Oh. And I love I love the transition come. scene. Okay. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I love this transition scene here uh, with the loudspeaker listing all the floors of the Mesa Hub that had unauthorized weapons discharges. It's all of them. <laughs> 43, 50. You could literally win a game of bingo if you just stopped with a bingo card and just wrote off every single number that got said. Yeah, I love that this thing is still opera- operational, the, the intercom. Still going. We see that the control center has been cleared out um, with member, possibly Bernard, involved. And then Maeve tries to ditch Lee again after the control center map goes offline because she's like, okay, well, that's all you could help me with. You, no use to me now. But like always, Lee manages to stick around despite not deserving it, which is why we here at Frieza Motor Functions love him. And I, that in his sense of humor, uh, everything about him, really. Through Lee's information, Maeve pieces together that her daughter is still at the home they used to live in together when they, when they were on the same uh, narrative. Um. And after Lee fails to convince Maeve her daughter isn't real. Uh, yeah, he tries to explain to her that, that, that it's part of the story. Mm-hmm. That the daughter isn't real. But that's when we get this incredible delivery from Maeve where she's like, what is real? You know? Yeah. And, and that is one of the biggest themes of this show is like, where do you draw the line? Because I found myself several times in this episode rooting for the humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm like, well... Like when Dolores is making the argument about her, I'm like, well, you're not alive though. You're a robot. And then it clicks <laughs> in my head like, oh fuck, I'm part of the problem. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you yeah. don't know what to, what is right and wrong here. It's a very weird situation that we're delving into mm-hmm. as a race. Which people like Carl Strand can't, they have no grasping of this, but Bernard does. Bernard still tries to save the host despite knowing they're robots, but Carl Strand knows they're robots and he just murks them all. We also don't know why Bernard's doing what Bernard does. No, we don't. Yeah. All right, guys, we want to quickly tell you about our sponsor, manoutfitters.com, which is the number one spot on the internet to buy clothing if you're a dude who likes to look good for other human beings yeah. or, or hosts. Yeah, we, uh, we own and operate manoutfitters.com here at Grand X, the same company that brings you freeze all motor functions. And uh, we, what we do is grab the best, the hottest brands in menswear. Then we find their best and hottest products and get them all on manoutfitters.com. So it's not so hard for you to shop. If you like brands like Patagonia, Travis Matthew, Howler Brothers, Southern Marsh, Columbia, Sperry, Yeti. Like, these are all bands that I know you like that you're probably like, oh my God, I didn't know that you guys sold all these awesome brands that I love. And we or, do. The other great thing about Man Outfitters is it'll it'll connect you with brands that you didn't know existed. Like perhaps you didn't know about Xanarobe, which is a new brand we just started carrying on Man Outfitters. Uh, all of w- they make all the pants that I wear. Yeah, you're wearing those right now. I'm right wearing now. some right now. Um, these ones are called Tech Track Jogger Pants. They're available on ManOutfitters.com as we speak. Uh, but a bunch of other great Xanarob products as well. They have sure shot joggers. If you're a jogger person, I'm a jogger mm-hmm. person. I wear joggers pretty much every day. They've got a great selection. Even Xanarob if you need, on man outfitters. If you need a new briefcase for work, we have Filson briefcases, which is what I use every day. And I look like a massive swag boy every time I walk into the office. You do. You look like an adult, which you are not. Not even close. So the deal we have for freeze all motor functions listeners only, you are special right now. 15% off 
orders over $150, and that comes with free shipping. Yeah, you spend 150 bucks, you get 15% off. How do you do it, Jared? What do you what do you type in at checkout? Freeze. So all you have to do is type in freeze at checkout, fill up your cart with great new swim trunks, hats, t-shirts, Xanarobe pants, whatever you want, whatever you need. Spring is here, summer is coming. We've got you set, 15% off, freeze at checkout. My vague pick of the week, swim trunks. You have never seen the amount of swim trunks that you will see on manoutfitters.com. It's It's insane. It's the best, I have said it before and I will say it again on the record, the best offering of swim trunks that any website on earth or in the universe can provide you with. Don't believe us? Check out manoutfitters.com. You freeze. freeze, 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 freeze. Now back to the show. Back to the show. We cut back to Bernard and Charlotte with the barn gang. The barn gang that sucks. Still, they do. They they're bad. Bernard brings up. They all die soon. Oh yeah, thank God. Except for the one guy. Yeah, what the fuck? Bernard brings up that maybe Dolores killed Ford of her own free will, and Charlotte's like, "You're spending too much time with the hosts." So even now, people with deep knowledge of the situation still think the hosts are only capable of doing what they're programmed to do. What is Charlotte's deal? She just thinks so lowly of Ford that she thinks he's literally programmed. I mean, he has. Here's the thing, he though. He has programmed that, but to a certain extent, she thinks that there's there's no involvement on the part of the host. She thinks so lowly, not just of Ford, of everyone, it seems. Oh, yeah. Like, she's kind of, she's not as scared as she should be, which is odd. She See, watches her, people die. Her so handling of the situation is very bizarre, and the way, yeah, like she's not all that affected by get people getting offed everywhere. Most of whom she uh, presumably knew very well, yes. considering they're on the board together. Uh, she's not doesn't have a good opinion of Bernard. Like when he starts to kind of you know tweak out a little more because of the lack of fluid or whatever the fuck is going on with him, she's like not empathetic mm-hmm. to his. Or she's not worried about him. She's almost like annoyed by him being uh affected you know what i mean mm-hmm. she's like are you gonna be able to handle this bernard <laughs> are you okay dude are you like pull it together bernard it's just like it's she's kind of a bitch yeah she's wild a hot bitch yes she's wild daddy like <laughs> sorry um and then we, we go straight up another star wars reference it's a trap everyone runs over to this doom buggy except what bernard mean, what do you mean another Another, I made the Star Wars reference with the cutting the, the thing open and getting inside the end. Oh, God. Everyone runs over to this doom buggy that has just a a Westworld tech just standing up next to it, not moving. Yo, here's the thing. I thought this was going to be Hector because, you know, Hector had that outfit on. I thought so, too. So the second they showed the tech from behind and he's tall, a tall man, I was like, fuck yes, it's Hector. Hector's going to off all these losers. And then it wasn't. It was totally just a trap. Okay, dude, I thought that too. I was so excited for Hector to turn around and say something badass. Yeah. Die well. Yeah. <laughs> Just God. off everyone. Yeah, I was pissed that it ended up being Angela and Wyatt's men. Yeah, th- this trap was pretty... Uh, so this is right at the... what The information we're given here by Charlotte, by these other board, the shit-ass barn group, is that there are access points, right? Mm-hmm. To get into not the Mesa hub, but into some different area what's the, what are these things i mean it's probably the bunkers ma- it's probably the mesa hub i mean mesa hub is generally probably the top area that we see on the plateau but um, it the, the sub levels i believe we're talking about here there's a ton of sub levels yeah. so so it's they, probably it's to it, access the overall like so the mesa hub is not only the part that is up we see above on the canyon or whatever 
we can assume pretty safely now after what we find out in this episode that there are different sections of it, the sublevels that are around the park as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we see that Angela and Wyatt's men, it was a trap that they've set. They kill all of the, all the humans except for one who they let run away in some most dangerous game type shit. Well, and it's like, it's our, it's our girl that's running this crew. Angela. What's her name? Angela. Angela. Yeah. And we had, I mean, I'm glad she's back. I'll say it. Um, I'm down with Angela. I'm a big fan. Fun fact. We've said this before, but new listeners might not know that this is Elon Musk's double ex-wife. Twice married, twice divorced. Which is just incredible. Tallulah Riley. Crazy. And uh, she's the one who dressed William in the gear room mm-hmm. in, uh, and offered to have sex with him back in episode one, season one. Or wait. was Yeah, episode one, I believe. Yes. Um, two. Episode two. Two. <laughs> episode episode two. two. Thank you. And uh, she's the one that we saw... Like kill Teddy and tie up the man in black in season mm-hmm. one as well. And now she's doing this whole thing. Yeah. And very, I don't know what the deal is with letting uh, that one guy go for most dangerous game type of purposes or whatever, but it's she doesn't have to explain herself. She's Angela. Yeah, very weird. Uh, this is where Bernard really starts to, as Logan would say, circle the old sinkhole. Yeah. He's trembling and shaking and leaking and not like the good kind of leaking from the yin yang twin song salt shaker. No. She leaking. Soaking wet. <laughs> no, not the good kind. <laughs> um, we learned there's a place to escape to that Charlotte knows about and Bernard doesn't. It must be very top secret. If, if Bernard doesn't know and Charlotte does. Right. Or it, he's acting like he doesn't know when he did. But I, I think he really didn't know. It seems like this is something that only board members are aware of. Yeah. Cut back to Lee and Maeve. Lee tries to convince Maeve he has enough clout to save her from being killed when the humans eventually quell the host uprising. Yeah. Maeve has 20 bulk app perception. I think she knows better than to think that you would save her. Even if even if you did have the clout, you're going to turn on her, which you do in the the, humor, few seconds. The humor of, you know, Lee trying to outsmart Maeve in any way is really <laughs> funny. But then the thing is, he... He does like he tips those guys off to the fact that she is not a human. It, it was just kind of weird. But the only reason why she like put her, she put the gun down and put herself so on the line is that she knew. I mean, I think she called in that sheriff host. That's very possible. So yeah. she knew at any moment if this guy had a hand, she has all these hosts around her that she can control. As we find out later in the show, there is this. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But this internet if you will Mm -hmm. where all the hosts are connected yeah and can get information from each other and Maeve could have very easily known that that sheriff was going to be walking in at any second and and chosen to play her cards that way as a result Mm -hmm. so he tried to outsmart Maeve and she knew he was going to try to fuck her and she almost sicked that host on him to kill him and my heart dropped so deep in my chest that it hit my bladder and made me want to pee I was terrified that we were going to lose Lee here. Uh, God bless Maeve for, for, for having the mercy to let him come Thank be a part of God. this thing still. And then, then there's the amazing exchange where Lee tells Maeve that he wrote the line about feeding his dick to him. I wrote that line for you. And then Maeve's like, meh, I don't really like it. It's a bit broad. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of little like writer jokes in this, in this show with Lee and uh, yeah. you know the, the writers of Westworld poking fun at themselves as well. It's, it's very cool. Um, they end up meeting up with Hector on top of the Mesa hub above the pool deck. Like he's, we said, he's up there just mourning. He's just drinking alcohol and just like, he thinks yeah. she, his love is gone, Maeve. And he's just pounding booze. Everyone's dead. He's got no one else to kill. He's somehow still alive after being shot 
25 plus times. I don't know what that's about, <laughs> why he's able to sustain that many gunshot wounds. Uh, but it's tight, and Hector is a top five character, so I'm, I'm cool with it. The love story we need is Maeve and Hector, not Teddy and Dolores. This is very confusing to me because we got the parallel between the two of them, like Teddy and Teddy and uh, Dolores' scenes and Maeve and Hector's makeout scenes. They, you know, they're pretty much the same. It's it really it makes you ask the question: What is this feeling? Like, did they have love for each other? Or like, what is the yeah. the art, artificial intelligent version of that uh, brings them to be attracted to each other at all? Mm-hmm. There's always been like that inherent attraction between like Maeve and Hector ever since the oh, first yeah. time we see them on screen together. It's just weird to try to think about what that even means in robot land. Especially when you consider the fact that Hector's all in on Maeve's plan and Teddy is hesitant about Dolores's. Yeah. Yeah, Hector's pretty much Maeve's like ride or die bitch at this point. Yeah. So, you know, you got to think, besides the programming of Hector being a badass at heart, what is stopping Teddy from coming back and being Dolores's ride or die? I don't know. Maybe he's just not there. I don't know. It's again the 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 different levels to this show are what make it so interesting and so good. Mm-hmm. And and I have no fucking idea. We cut back to Charlotte and Bernard. They find Charlotte's secret lair, which she tells him right away she will not be telling him about. <laughs> She's like, "We're here, but I'm not reading you into any of this." She's saying, "I'm not telling you what this is or what's going on," which annoys me because imagine if there's a tornado and I brought you into my tornado shelter and you saw like strings of troll doll heads hanging everywhere with mayo all over them and cotton balls glued to their eyes, and you were like, "Hey, I know we're stuck here, but you can't ask me about this." That's what I said to you. Uh, just for the record, as of this very moment, I will not be seeking shelter with you if a tornado does roll through. Just, I'm just saying. And yes, I would probably need more of an explanation about this troll doll mayonnaise situation. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so you would be kind of angry. And Bernard, maybe if he wasn't so freaking out, he would have been more pissed about it. We see Charlotte try and fail to get uh, her and Bernard extracted. And we find out that until she presents Abernathy to whoever she's talking to, um, then they're not getting out of there. So you remember at the end of season two, the plan from Charlotte was to get Lee to go get Abernathy and smuggle him out of the park on a train. Yes. Abernathy has been all the information that Delos, maybe Delos, maybe Delos, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But Charlotte, all the information that Charlotte wanted to get out of the park is inside of Abernathy. Obviously, the host uprising occurs. Abernathy is not put on the train. Charlotte finds that out right here, that they never received him. And uh, apparently, they're just going to let everybody die. This plan is weird. Yeah. Because... You don't have to let everybody die to come get Abernathy. That's not like a must-have thing. I, I do understand that, like, yes, if you take out Charlotte, then who do you have on the inside that's clued into this? It's only Lee. <laughs> I mean, then are you going to trust Lee to take Abernathy out? No. Yeah, I'm just confused. I mean, we'll get more information, I'm yeah. sure, in the coming episodes, but who Charlotte is working for mm-hmm. exactly is kind of unclear. And the fact that they're providing her zero support. They're just like, hey, you know what? Your, your life is your... The insurance policy is, is Abernathy, they're saying. Like, so here, I have a question. This, this timeline, we're seeing... Uh, I'm sorry. We're seeing Charlotte... With Bernard mm-hmm. in this bunker. Yeah. Right? Where is that 
in comparison to the Bernard on the beach rolling with uh, Floki from Vikings, which is the only thing I can refer to him to thus far. It is before. And the all the space in between Charlotte and Bernard in the bunker and the beach don't know. is what we don't know. So question, what we find out here is that they're not willing to send help to extract anyone until they've got Abernathy. Well, later on... They do send help because that's what these people are. There's armed people storming the beaches. Does that mean that they have successfully gotten Abernathy at that point? or what? I did not think about that until right now because I didn't think about what exactly the extraction entailed, but I'm going to say maybe? a hard maybe. Oh, tight. Okay, we can move on. Yeah. Just, just wanted to put that no, out that, there. That, I didn't even think about them being the extraction team Charlotte was talking about. Well, look who thought of something that Jared didn't. You crushed that. Wow. You crushed that. Hell yeah. I'm all in. Um, I will say this. You know what? It's episode one. Charlotte's, I said Charlotte. That's pretty great. Charlotte's username on this little messaging device is X Omega CH. I'm going to say Charlotte Hale, a member of the sorority Chi Omega confirmed. It's episode one. Okay. I'm going to say that confirmed that she becomes a spider and the star of charlotte's web oh it, what do you, you have to say it say it confirmed no and and it's episode one and it's episode one yeah you can you can you can say whatever you want it's episode one write that down um it looks like the drone hosts that we see that bernard has no idea exists. all right these dudes are fucking awesome what do they remind you of dragon ball z they look like that. Okay, yeah, but I'm, I'm oh. not a Dragon Ball Z guy. Well, I'm not either, but I can recognize what they look like. They look like the, one of the people. I don't know who it is. Though. But they remind me of some type of being like that from like Prometheus, I believe. Like the gods in the movie Prometheus. Did you ever see the movie Prometheus? No. Okay, that's too bad. But that's what they remind me of. There's like these three beings, one of which it becomes alive and kills people at the end of the movie. Sorry, that spoiler. might be a spoiler. Okay. Ah, well, if you haven't seen it at this point, I'm sorry. Also, it's one of those movies that it's so complicated, and you might enjoy it if you enjoy Westworld, uh, that there's never really any explanation for anything anyway. It's just tight, so mm-hmm. you can't yeah. really spoil it. True. So these drone hosts that Bernard doesn't know about who are working without anybody at the Mesa Hub's knowledge. I want nothing to do with these things. They're creepy as shit, but they who's look kind con- of gentle. Who's controlling them? They look like they're controlling themselves, kind of. Who watches the Watchmen? Oh. No, I'm serious. I want to know what's, what's the deal here. They're hard at work. Do you know what they're doing? I don't. Well, I know. I mean, what does Bernard they're, think they're, they're doing? extracting human DNA mm-hmm. and and storing it and storing all the information about what the guests do in the park? Yeah. But okay, when we see him fucking with this thing that he is extracting DNA from or whatever, the guy that Bernard gets the fluid from that he injects into his neck—that's a host, right? Yeah. Yes, that is a host. So how are they getting the human DNA? Because. Do you see in the beginning when one of the drones is swabbing the crotch of oh the host? My God, they're dude. fucking taking the sex shit. So they're taking either the women, they're taking so like a man sucked on that thing's penis. I think it was. Or I think that was a, a man woman. Host. It was. It appeared to be. It had man uh, pubic features. Yeah. Or a woman had sex with it. In either way, they're getting the DNA off of the peen. That host either had sex with a man or woman, a human. And they're taking that human's DNA from that man. Yeah, I guess specifically it could be any kind of sex. Anything that would involve that host's penis 
touching a human in this scenario. Otherwise, just hand contact or sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe but we the, see specifically him swab the penis. Yes, or the groin area. And here's here's a question: If uh, maybe maybe the hosts are programmed to pick up random hairs that are around the park, the that would be my job if I was a host. Okay, that's just Jared. Jared, go pick up hair. I'd say fuck yeah. You're a weird cat, Jared. Uh, the obvious parallel here is drawn to the Facebook situation oh, yeah. that we have in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I wonder if they drew this storyline in. It had to have been before. It had to have been, yeah. And it's just like happens that it's playing out the way. It, look, it's not. Everybody knows that the internet and social media and data uh, have been an issue for the past several years. That is not a new idea. But it's beautiful that this whole Facebook. Britannica, whatever the fuck, unfolded uh, before season two aired because that parallel is, you know, so clear. Did you say Encyclopedia Britannica? What is it? It's, it's, it's like <laughs> Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, Encyclopedia yeah, yeah. Britannica is like the encyclopedia that, that we all read before Wikipedia. I always want to say that's what it is. Though. So to me, it's the Facebook Encyclopedia Britannica scandal. <laughs> to others, it might be Cambridge, whatever, but it is what it is. No, that's that's a very good point. It is what it is. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, we see this is like Delos is Facebook with a DNA component. Yeah, this is fucked up though because it's very, I mean obviously a massive violation of uh, you have to assume it's a violation anyway of the of the guests' rights. You didn't read the the release waiver. I didn't, and the small font could always fuck you. But you have to think that one of the things that you'd one of the reasons you'd want to go to Westworld is privacy. Like yeah. And the fact that they, you know, the fact that they're documenting everything you do and taking your DNA for what purpose we are yet to find out <laughs> yeah. is pretty fucking terrifying. It is. And as we know, that's how you got to make money in this capitalistic world. Apparently, it can't, you can't just, the 40K a day to be in the park isn't enough. Nope. They need to be stealing your DNA Which and information as well. Makes sense. Uh, switch to the man in black trekking through the high stakes world of his dreams. Who does he run into but a severely corrupt little Ford who Ford has seemingly programmed to explain a new game to the man in black? Why severely corrupt? Do you hear his voice? But I but the voice is corrupted by Ford's voice. Yeah. It's still a corruption. A planned corruption is still a corruption. You should use that Fair in your enough. daily life. Okay. A planned corruption. Yeah. I can I can deal with that. That's kinda of what I do to this show. My plan is to come in here and, and just corrupt it. and corrupt it. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. We here's what Little Ford with kind of half Little Ford, half real Ford's voice. This says. was cool as shit, by the way. First of all, you had to turn on subtitles here because it was impossible to fucking understand mm-hmm. him. Um, and speaking of subtitles, I would highly recommend watching any show that you care about as much as Westworld with subtitles on, at least for one watch through. So mm-hmm. even if you like, what I like to do is watch the first watch, no subtitles, second watch, subtitles, just to make sure you don't miss anything. Yeah, I do the same thing. Here's what Ford says. You've made it to the center of Arnold's maze, but now you're in my game. In this game, you have to make it back out. In this game, you must find the door. Congratulations, William. This game is meant for you. The game begins where you end and ends where you began. And he's kind of psyched about this. Uh, this Okay, so in season one, we had the man in black searching for the maze. Now in season two, we have the door. And the man in black seems excited that he's got his own game, that it is meant for him, as, as Little Ford is telling him. Uh, I wouldn't be all that psyched because Robert Ford was a fucking maniacal, manipulative dude. Or is still. We don't know if he's actually dead. We don't. But 
the the fact that he is is in charge would freak me out as the man in black because I don't want to fucking play this guy's game. Who no. knows how that game ends? The, the, the end of the maze game was a fucking little toy board maze thing. Obviously, it wasn't meant for him, so the end of it for him was nothing. It was it was a joke. Yeah, um, it just freaks me out. The man in black is pissed at little Ford for talking in code because he's just like. God, more code out of you. Like, you're fucking dead and you're still talking in code. And so he just puts a fucking hole in, in Little Ford's face. Yeah, I was pissed about that. He shoots Little Ford. No more Little Ford. You like um, Little Ford? I did. I mean... It was... Our, it was our, okay, let's yeah. assume Robert's dead. That Ford is gone. He was the only Ford presence we have left, other than flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he's got a hole in his face. Does the fact that we got some... Of Anthony Hopkins' voice here make you think maybe he'll be in more of this season? If he if he came in to record the voice, then no, who knows this, what he this, came in for? This doesn't make me think that any more than the fact that I already, I already thought that. It's Anthony Hopkins. You don't waste Anthony Hopkins on one season. Not waste, but if if they can find a way to have Anthony Hopkins in season yeah, two, they're they going will. to. True. He's Anthony Hopkins. Back to the Mesa Hub. Maeve is fixing up Hector's wounds. Maeve says to Lee, yada, 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 yada. Lee says much penis. What? Lisa Asmore's penis. We see it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, skipped ahead. It was all filler. Yeah, she makes him strip, and we see his penis, and I don't... I, I believe it's uncircumcised? It is. And um, during this scene, my fidget spinner spun so fast that the wind it caused put out my candle. Wow. That is uh, yeah. poignant. But the, the thing is... It's like a jet turbine. Why, why... Okay. Maeve makes Lee strip and show him... Show her everything as kind of a power move to be like, you see us naked all the time. You're going to take all your clothes off, motherfucker. But yes. I think in a way, this is kind of a power move from the actor who plays Lee Sizemore being like, I'm going to do full frontal. Next question I have is, is that his penis? Or is it a, a uh, what do you call it? Prosthetic. Prosthetic. Because they often in Hollywood use prosthetic penises to maintain the penal privacy of actors. So I believe Lisa Joyce said that she wanted to make the nudity between men and women in this show equal. Equal. That that is something that Game of Thrones has also strived to do. So important for HBO. Yes. So I believe it is his penis because otherwise it's saying, "Hey, hey, females!" Like now, here's the thing, Jared. Often women use body doubles and or CGI to change out their breasts or buttocks in nude scenes. Okay. So that makes me wonder. I'm just I'm just saying it doesn't really matter either way. He's also British. A lot of British people uncircumcised. I'm just gonna say it. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Within the uh, the British community, but. Whatever. Anyway, we see Lee's junk. Uh, the other question I have about this scene is, so this this laser tool that looks kind of like the one that a dentist might use on your teeth to get a to get a uh, glue to dry faster. Speaking of which, I'm doing this entire podcast with missing one tooth, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, what what is the deal with this? Because she's she's fixing up the wounds the same way we saw them fix up the throat slit. Yeah. For Sylvester in season one. Don't you need to take the bullet out, or is there gonna? Isn't that gonna have cause some issues? We know Maeve at one point had issues with her abdomen as a result of not being cleaned thoroughly enough. Yeah, she's just gluing Hector back together with like twenty five <laughs> holes in his back. Still, by the way, they completely ignore the back. They wounds. do ignore the, the exit back. wounds. Seem to be an issue, but because there are exit wounds, makes me think all the bullets came out. But it's still <laughs> holes all the way. Anyway. Doesn't really matter, but Lee's penis. Yeah, I will say that Lee standing there naked with Maven Hector clothed and like rummaging through all the clothes, that is the ultimate role reversal. Like, also, Hector being, he couldn't have cared less that this dude is stripping. 
Like, oh yeah. He just went about his business. He did. He, cause he's probably just knew he's like, I got a bigger wang than this guy. Yeah. Which is why Charlotte wants him so much. The jokes about his penis not being adequate earlier in the episode, coupled with the fact that he then had to take his penis out. Good stuff. Yeah. They, they it was full circle. It really was not full snip though. Uh, no, not cut, full snip. Cut to Dolores and Teddy. Tube. Who have just, flesh, flesh tube. Who have just gone through 10 miles of only blood, we are told. We are told there, there has been only blood for 10 miles. And it seems, based on some of the footage and flashbacks we've seen, that this blood is the result of Dolores and Teddy presumably uh, helping her. Yeah. So, I don't, I'm not sure what he... It's not like they're finding blood. No. They're actively creating it. <laughs> yeah. So he says, is, are you sure this is really what you want? And Dolores can tell Teddy is really apprehensive about all this on account of not knowing what she knows. He's not, he's not been awakened. He doesn't know shit. He doesn't. He's still like working off of the same narrative of him and Dolores going and finding, carving out a corner of the park and living there together. Yeah. It's like, dude, no. He has a weak, weak ass character at this point. He really does. Yeah. No offense. Dolores is like, dude. We need to take over not just this world, but the human's world as well. It's kind of fucked up, though, because she kind of, it's in a way, and this is, again, what makes me question these feelings and potential love or relationship between hosts. She's using Teddy. Uh, Teddy is not on the same page as her, not even close to on the same level, has no form of consciousness yet, really. He's only experienced a little bitty piece in season one, I mm-hmm. believe. It really makes you wonder what, Dolores's long-term plan is with Teddy. I agree. And she goes and starts to talk about it where she says she can see the future and she knows how this story ends. I was on the edge of my fucking seat here because Teddy goes, how? I was like, oh my God, here it comes. And I thought this is going to be the end of the episode and we we're going to get some crazy ending. And then I, I swear to God, when Dolores said it ends with us, you and me, I, I literally said, boo. In my, in my living room alone. I think she, that's, again, I think she only says that because that's what he wants to hear. I think she, I agree. She's being manipulative. There is no fucking way the end of this story <laughs> is Teddy and Dolores living happily ever after. That would be terrible. That, that, that would be bad. Bad TV, bad, bad writing, and there's no way that that's going to happen. No. It could, it could end with them together, but it's not, that's not the main goal. That's not the goal of all this. I think at this. this point, regardless, I don't know if Dolores can see the future because that doesn't really fit into the way that consciousness works, right? Like, yeah. I'm conscious, and I have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe she thinks that she should be able to see the future because she doesn't understand what consciousness is like. Maybe, Maybe she thinks she can understand the past and the present I'm and also the future. I'm just saying I get the feeling that this whole Dolores-Teddy relationship as of right now is a little manipulative on the side of Dolores. She's using him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Angela rides up to them and says, we've found it. And then Dolores says to Teddy, I need you to see this. I need you to see the truth. What the fuck did they find? I don't know. We, we, don't, we don't know. And I'll say this right now. Why don't, why don't we get shown this? We will next episode, I'm sure. And we will talk a lot about this, this what they found on Thursday's episode. So tune into that this yeah. Thursday. Thursday's podcast, yeah. Thursday's podcast about this episode. You see Senor. Um, go back to Charlotte and Bernard. Bernard, who is quickly degrading, agrees to help Charlotte find the hosts, and he's going to use the mesh network that Ross mentioned earlier. Yeah, this is it. really cool. We never this was never mentioned in season one, uh, to my knowledge, right? N- yeah, I'm never. I'm pretty sure we'd never heard. So this is another new thing that was introduced, like we said. And this concept is crazy. 
all the hosts are interconnected and can subconsciously communicate with each other in their fucking heads. Like to pass each other information. And as, as Bernard explained, it's so narratives don't get messed up and interact and, and so that mm-hmm. everything operates as it should be operating. But if you don't think this is going to come into play this season, you are a bozo of some kind. Of some kind, indeed. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is a, this is a, you know, it opens up even more possibilities and, and as if we needed more possibilities on this show for the reasons that things happen. Here you go. There's <laughs> a mesh network. While looking for Abernathy using the mesh network, Bernard is able to sneak a peek at his own inner workings and see that he is, as Lee would put it, fucked. Um, did you catch the typo? In I this? didn't. It says cognitive abilities, but cognitive is spelled C-O-G-N-A. Ah, that's funny. I was, it was jarring to me. So it says critical failure. What does it say? So Cortical fluid is at 8.0% critical failure. He has, uh, so that we find out that cortical fluid is what was leaking. Ying Yang to right. reference. Again. Thank you. Uh, there are 0.72 hours until Bernard dies. He's currently in like the pre, the pre, the sub death routine or like the pre death routine. Where he's just weak and getting woozier and losing less or losing control mm -hmm. of his body more and more of Um, his motor functions, if you will. Yep. And so this is where we learn something that is every Westworld fan's worst nightmare. One of Bernard's symptoms right now is time slippage. Yeah, so if you if you were like, oh man, I'm looking forward to season two when perhaps we won't be dealing with multiple storylines and multiple timelines and multiple confusing different ways, nah, it's going to be worse than ever. Uh, time slip. The, the, the description of his symptoms gave me anxiety. Like I was like, this f- f- shit. Because again, the possibilities are kind of endless with what they can do as a result of any... Now, now we can't trust anything that we see from Bernard. Uh, my other concern here is that this whole fluid, what kind of fluid is it? Cortical. This whole cortical fluid situation is going to be ongoing where he keeps having to find more and put it in because there's some kind of leak. This is like, what is it? Crank? That kind of sucks. Is that the movie? Yeah. <laughs> where he keeps having to get adrenaline yeah. going or else he'll die. This is crank. <laughs> I, I am not here to watch Bernard on a quest for fluid that he has to pump into his neck for the rest of the season. That better fucking not be the situation. Intern Serena, we need a movie poster of crank with Bernard's head on it It's now. not just crank that this situation <laughs> plays out. This is such a timeless, like, overused method for yeah. you know getting a character to be motivated to do something i am i'm not here for this i do not want to see a season where bernard is repeatedly having to sneak fluid into his neck from other hosts so please don't do that to us and so yeah we can remember bernard at the end that we're going to see soon does you think he's in need of cortical fluid here he does seem really discombobulated still i hope oh my god but let's hope we got his face i'm just assuming he didn't get enough but yeah but he Going back to time slippage, I'm though. I'm pissed. I did some research into time slippage and found out that the number one tenet of time slippage is repetitive forward progress. And by this, I, of course, mean that time keeps on slipping into the future. Oh, my God. I've done it. Ross, I've done it. You did it. That was huge. Thank you. That, 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 that's moment. the joke of the episode. We, we, we should just leave right now on that, but we're not going to. After the tablet uh, finds Abernathy, Bernard, and after Bernard put all the cortical fluid into himself... He flashes forwards to walking with uh, Carl Strand, the squad from earlier, you know, with all the, all the peeps, including mm. uh, sterile Costa, sterile Costa beach squad and a group of soldiers into Escalante. We see Ford's dead maggot filled head. So uh, you said 11 days. 
have passed? Since Dolores killed the Ghost Nation guy. Okay, so that's the only real timeline we have. And that itself was during the day, and you got to assume it was at least the next day. So okay. it would be so around 12 at days. At least 12 days. Um, nobody has been in here to clean up all the corpses, and we're just... Nope, which is another, to your point, about them being the extraction team after Abernathy was sent out. Delos is a confusing company. Yes, it is. Because you would think they'd be more on top of this, but I'm not. again, we're not sure why it is they do anything. So I think that... The people that Charlotte was talking to shut down the communication lines so that Charlotte was forced to send Abernathy out. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we see Ford's dead maggot-filled head. I have two things about this. Number one, Ford maggot-filled head theory confirmed. It's episode one. Episode, it's episode one. The issue for me is I'm, I'm just not getting like the whole... Okay, think of think of it this way. 2018, if something were to go horribly wrong in our office today, like if you lost a leg somehow, like a piece of metal fell from the ceiling, that would be a problem. Mm-hmm. Not just a pro- like it wouldn't be a oh we can sweep this under the rug situation. Grand X would have some serious issues. There's all types of things that would come into play there. Delos as a company, and again, this is largely what I'm saying is if half this, everyone's getting slaughtered, are we just to assume that like social media doesn't exist or like the internet or text messaging or phone calls, nobody in the barn squad at any point fired out a text to their loved ones like, oh my God, we're being gunned down by the hosts. I will say, okay. Call the police, inform the government, do something. For me, I think that there's validity in that, in that if my dad didn't come home from Westworld for two weeks, I'd be like, oh, Yo, this what is happened? this issue. But you know what I, I'm saying, though? Like, yes. I don't think... Because De- De- as of right now, it appears that Delos is operating, or whoever Charlotte's communicating with, is operating under the impression that they can sweep this all under the rug and make it kind of go away without any consequences based on the loss of life. I think more so that they have gone through all these crazy, crazy hoops to make sure that nothing can get in or out of the park. Okay. Nothing that they don't want in or out. We know that throughout. They, they talk about they have to sneak stuff out with a satellite. Yes, but still, I'm just saying. So this is like a consequence-free. We need, we need to operate a company like Delos. I just think they know they have a few weeks until they have to do anything. And during that time, they can make Charlotte go get Abernathy. They know that they can't I sweep mean, it okay. under the rug forever. But they, they have if no... If it was that important, why wouldn't they send like, I don't know, a thousand more people to go get Abernathy? You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't yeah. really make sense yet. And I'm, I'm not saying it won't make sense eventually. But right now, I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah, I agree that you have to kind of keep the idea in your head that this Dallas people like are doing everything in their power to make it so that fucking nobody finds out about what's going on here. Even though they know it can be forever, I think they're trying to bide time. Yeah, and again, we don't know much about the outside world, so it's, it's hard to say. We have a few notes left before the end. Of, it's hard to say. We have a few notes left. I have one for you. Do you think that we see Ford's head, big hole in his head, do you think that they would have noticed if Ford was a host by looking at this whole crater I don't in his think head? so because, if you, I mean, look, it, it, the hole is filled with maggots, right? And it, your, your first inclination is to say, well, he was obviously, that's the real Ford. That's a human. Uh, why would maggots be attracted to a host mm-hmm. corpse with a hole in it? Well, you don't know that one way or the other. We don't know that the host's yeah. insides don't attract maggots in the same way that human insides do. Uh, and there's so many maggots that we can't really tell if there's any, you know, robotic stuff inside of his head or anything like that. Yeah. 
But we have Costa with us. Like, I want Costa to open up Ford's fucking body and see if he's a host or not. It you know? would have been more convenient if they confirmed one way or the other <laughs> right here so that we wouldn't go on wondering. And you would think that they would, that that would be one of the things they needed to confirm. But, yeah, we didn't get that. No, they just left. They just left. And they went over to a Bengal tiger that must have wandered over from Park 6 somehow. Yep. Park Wait. 6 being the Shogun Park, correct? I believe so. It's it has what, to be, it's right? What it makes, that would make the most sense, uh, which leads us to believe, okay, so now all these parks are somehow connected? Yes. And we've got things wandering from one park to another? Mm-hmm. And can't be good. And apparently Ford made a huge C without anybody noticing. Uh-huh. A massive C. So that's a thing. That's a problem. Oh, and there's a shit ton of dead hosts laying drowned in it, including Teddy. Ooh, I didn't notice that. I uh, th- that looked exactly like Teddy to me, and the way that they framed it made it seem like it had to be. There's no like direct clear shot of it, but it yeah, looks... I, I kept trying to see who it was, and they didn't give you enough. I turned my head sideways during the first watch, and the second watch, I just looked, and I was like, I think it's Teddy. So if if you don't think it's Teddy, call into the into the cold line eight 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 six freeze. Um, but yeah, so that's where we left, and Bernard says that he killed all of them. Yes, the the end of the the show ends with uh, this revelation from Bernard that he murdered all of these hosts that are floating in this sea that Ford created, which just, it kind of, that's like kind of the period on the sentence that's been created by this episode, which is a, which is a question. So it ends in a question mark, not a period about whether or not, or like what happens here between what we we mentioned it several times. Yeah. This, this whole episode set up what happens in between Bernard looking for Abernathy and waking up on the beach. We don't know, but, so this, my, but now my, we know this. Apparently. My question for you is, do you feel like, okay, scale of one to 10, rate the episode, rate the premiere. And, and I'm, I'm and I'm need to be clear about something just on its own merit, right? Obviously four episodes from now, this episode could seem a lot better or worse yeah. than it was. True. This is as our first episode, the pace setter, I'm giving it an 8.5. 8.5. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to say 7. 7. What what do you, what did you need out of it? I need Okay, there was a few of those lines like the one you mentioned from Dolores about it doesn't look like anything yeah. to me that kind of they kind of were like just kind of took away from it for me. But then uh, first of all, first and foremost, I fucking love this show. All right. Yeah. We're doing a podcast about <laughs> it. I'm just rating the episode as I see it. And uh it was a setup episode. It's it gives it kind of gets the ball rolling on a few different fronts, right? We've got Maeve doing her thing with Hector and Lee. We've got the man in black doing his thing, solo, as always. We've got uh, Bernard has, has an issue with some fluid that's been presented to us. Also, he's he somehow leaking. Ends, he's soaking wet. And he also <laughs> ends up murdering all of the hosts that end up in a, what is it, C that was created by Ford. Uh, we've got these dudes from Delos Corporate who are in here trying to figure all these things. So the ball's rolling on a lot of different fronts. But I didn't feel like these were new fronts, really. We did get some new information. Like, we know these brain things exist now. We know there's a fluid that these hosts need. There's a DNA uh, situation going on and an information situation going on, Facebook-esque, that's not great. But I just don't know... Like, the man in black's been presented with a new game, The Door. Okay, that's the jump we made from the maze to the door. Like, that's the creative turn. Mm-hmm. little disappointed by that so far. I, and again, I could totally change my tune in a yeah. few episodes. It really depends where it goes from here. 
But that was so similar to season one that I was just kind of like, oh, God, this guy's just going to be doing the same shit again, except this time he could die. <laughs> That's the only difference. Uh, it, ju- it just didn't feel as deep as I thought it would. I thought I was going to get more into the whole, like, the consciousness stuff was kind of on the back burner. Didn't it feel like that to you? Yeah. Like, I needed to hear more about where where does Teddy go from here, for example? I think I think that they intentionally left us all wondering. No, for sure. And I mean, look, I, I, again, I just want to be clear. Love this show. And uh, it would be hard for me to be a bigger fan than I am. I just, I'm very curious to see. Because this is pivotal, man. Like, the sophomore slump is a very real thing mm-hmm. in every part of show business, music, entertainment, TV, movies. You don't want to slip. And uh, because of because of some of my favorite shows of late, Game of Thrones had uh, what most people would consider to be a slip with season seven. Uh, True Detective fell flat on its fucking face <laughs> with season two. It was one of the worst seasons in the history of TV, probably. <laughs> so I'm, I'm obviously very emotionally invested, uh, and I don't want to see anything go awry. I have faith... That the season's gonna kick ass. I'm just season like episode one didn't get me to a point where I was like, oh fuck yes, we are locked in, baby. This is gonna be sick. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I, got need, you. I need more before I can be all the way in. So we'll see. Very point. Seven, very, seven o'clock is mine. very poignant commentary. Well, guys, that is our season two episode one recap. If you want to interact with us on social, tweet at us, DM us, leave comments. We will respond to you. We want to make this an interactive experience. We're trying to hang out. I'll watch this show together. We need friends. We do, honestly. I am at Jared Borislow on everything. I'm at WR Bolin on everything. For the show, we are at Freeze All Motor on Twitter and at Freeze All Motor Functions on Instagram. We are putting out some insanely amazing content right now. Shouts to intern Serena, our content intern. She's crushing it. Really, though, like... It, pretty incredible. A plus, the, I would say right now, the best Westworld content on the internet. If episode one of the show got a seven for me, every day Serena gets a 9.9. Crushing it. Call into the hotline, 888-6-FREEZE. And if it's a good call, we will play it on Thursday's episode. Nothing is off limits. Comments on the show, questions about plot, something you notice that you think nobody else has, theories. If it's a good call, we will play it. Tell a friend who watches Westworld to journey in tonight with us. Let's blow this popsicle stand out of the water. Top of the Mesa Hub. Time for the NPR style sign-off. Freeze on Motor Functions is brought to you by Grand X Media and hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Bolin. Luke Schultz produced the show. Special thanks to Phil from DC, a.k.a. Schnapple, on SoundCloud for our intro music, Brad Hess for our outro music, intern Garrett who helped us format and prepare the show, and intern Serena who does insanely awesome Westworld-themed Photoshop work for us that you can check out on our Twitter, at Motor and Instagram at Freezal Motor Functions. This episode is dedicated to you, the guests, for everything you did for us last week to fly up the charts. Remember, subscribe, 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 subscribe. It's a combination of subscribing and rating. I love it. Subscribe, ribe, five stars, and leave a meaningful review so we can keep on flying up the charts. See you on Thursday. Peace.